0: Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope that this message from our senior leader, Brent Lieberzite, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure that you subscribe or visit our website at ennisbrook.co.nz for a service near you. All right, this morning, our theme is ministry. And I want to kind of touch on an angle of ministry that I think is really, really important. In fact, it comes back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the year, which was the two commandments, living by the two commandments, not the 10 commandments, but the two commandments, which is what? Love God, love people. Love God, love your neighbour as you love yourself. So love God, love people. Now there's a third aspect to that. There's a third little hanger on. You're kind of going, oh Brent, come on, I'm struggling enough to, you know, to get the first two right. Now you're telling me there's a third. And uh, I just wanna say this though, that in regards to the third aspect, which I think is, is, is very important, um, if you get on the journey of the first two commandments, love God, love people, then the third aspect, the third dynamic will follow along. It'll just become part of, it's a byproduct of the two commandments. There were, you know, And there's no way you would want to even engage in this third dynamic that I'm going to share with you this morning if you don't love God or love people. Also, <laughs> awesome. Are you excited about hearing what that might be? What do you think it might be? Any thoughts? No, you're all wrong. Okay, good. Let's move on. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Great to, uh, I'm just thinking about the scripture here. Husbands, love your wives. Great to have Cliff and Jenny here this morning who uh, have been part of us our, our church for a long time previously to when they moved up to Auckland and uh, they were uh, very involved in marriage seminars and still are. And so great to have you here guys, wherever you may be. Where, oh, over there, there we go. Okay, here we go. You guys will probably know this scripture off by heart, but I'm gonna read it. And you can read it too, it's on the screen here. Husbands, what? Let me pray, we'll finish. (laughs) Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Go on to the next one. In the same way, husbands ought to, what? As their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Oh, ouch. (laughs) After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church for we are members of His body. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, Paul says to the church in Ephesus. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Passage of Ephesians chapter five is often spoken at weddings, normally heard at weddings, read at weddings, about the love between a husband and a wife. Now this is right and this is good, but these verses also reveal a lot about what Jesus thinks of his church. It tells us how much Jesus loves us. The church. It's about his He shows us His relationship, what His relationship is with the church and what He has done for us. It's very obvious Jesus loves the church. He loves you very much. He saves the church. He loves the church. He gave Himself up for the church. He makes the church holy, cleansing her so that she would be the radiant church without blemish. And then it says He feeds and cares for the church. Jesus' love for the church is so great, it's so exemplary, it's such an example that it becomes the standard for husband and wife to follow. His relationship with the church is the model example for husband and wife. Jesus sets the perfect example of love, of sacrifice and commitment for the marriage relationship between a man and a woman. It's very interesting that he, it's the same dynamic going on. See, the Bible did not say Christ loves the church just like a husband loves a wife. It's the other way around. Husband and wife are to look to Jesus and His church as an example and to learn what it means to love and to cherish one another. You try and do marriage without Jesus as the example and do it without church, then you have an incomplete picture. Mm. I think that's why people feel like it's important to get wed in a church. And that's well and good, but it's not the complete answer, right? Do we truly understand the depth of Christ's love for the church? I wonder if we view the church the same way as Jesus views the church. Do we love what he loves? You're all here this morning, so I'm preaching to the converted, right? Guess what, I've found over the years, because I've been in church a long, long time, since 1964, I know. Started on the 23rd of July, 1964. Wow, Brent, how do you know that? that well, was the day I was born. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? It was Annesbrook Church. I wasn't born in Annasbrook Church, but I pretty much was. <laughs> been here all my life. My whole life. And uh, it's a privilege. And I found that we're not perfect. I found no church is perfect, actually. I've been only in this church, but I've also visited a lot of other churches over that time. And there is no church that is perfect. In fact, when I left Annisbrook, I went to, uh, one of the reasons why I left Annisbrook for a period of time uh, was because I went to Bible college. And when I went to Bible college, I had to go out on the weekends and speak in all these churches. And, and uh, we we're a very conservative, very traditional church. And I'd gone into a, a charismatic Bible college. And that's what I was kind of like, that's where I wanted to go. You know, I didn't want the tradition and the conservative kind of dynamic. I wanted something that was charismatic and, uh, all, and, and that kind of thing. And because uh, and, uh, I just thought that was the bee's knees, and I was leaving Annisbrook. I mean, I, like, you know, I c- kind of saw myself taking my shoes off and ta- shaking the dust off my feet as I went. You know, um, it was pretty strong, I suppose, to say that. But I wasn't coming back. Didn't think I was anyway, because I knew that the grass was greener over the other side of the fence. I mean, I just knew it. I was 22 years old, and I just knew everything. (laughs) And it wasn't gonna be Anersbrook Church. And so, um, anyway, God put me into some interesting place. As a 22-year-old, took me into churches around the North Island, and every church that I went into was highly Pentecostal, chandelier swinging, absolutely, all of that going on. But in behind the scenes, they uh, I was asked to come, as a 22-year-old, asked to come into elders' meetings to sort out the bickering and the fighting, the infighting and the the issues that were going on in those churches. I couldn't, every look seriously, every weekend. Different church, different place, but same issues going on. And I had never experienced that ever in my life because we've always had a church, Annisbrook Church has always been strong united uh front as far as eldership at a particularly at a eldership level and uh and so it was actually god opened my eyes and i began to take back the dust that was that i shook off the shoes of my of my feet and go crikey annisbrook's pretty awesome even though it's got its traditional ways and it's conservative ways it's an awesome church and so and then so uh i did uh 10 months in Tauranga um, at Bible College there and then uh, came back here to Nelson and we became the youth pastors and did all that. So to say all of that I've realised over the years no church is perfect and here's a great point that doesn't change God's love for us. It's never changed God's love for you. Your imperfections It's never changed God's love for you. He didn't Just die for the church. The Bible says he's still working on the church. We are a work in progress, people. He who began a good work will be what? He'll be faithful to complete it. He's working on us, he's working for the church. What is he doing? He's making us holy. He's cleansing us by the washing with water through the Word so that one day, verse 27, He can present us a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. But we don't just come together as the church to celebrate what He has done for us. We come together to celebrate what He's doing for us. What He's done, yes, but also what He's doing. Look at what He's doing. Look at the person next to you and see what God is doing. This is your family. You are the church. Husbands and wives, you would understand this. We do not love our spouse because he or she is without fault or, flaw, or is flawless because we know they're not perfect. They aren't, we aren't good all the time. There's some bad bits to us. And sometimes our spouse drags that out of us really, really well. <laughs> Yet we love and we stay committed to the relationship as Jesus has committed Himself to the church and believe we are changing for the better as we grow together. We are therefore a work in progress. That's God's desire. Doesn't always work out like that. Sometimes we find that we have to leave our spouse for that work to continue and to progress. And I understand that because we are all imperfect. We are flawed. And I, I think as long as we are aware of our flawedness,ness,ness, <laughs> I'll oh, bet it all week by the way. I've been trying to think of an illustration that I could give you in regards to my wife being flawed. And faults to share with you all. And I thought of quite a number of them. But, but because she's not here, I don't think I should share any of them. So we should move on. And I'm sure you will, uh, those of you who are married will have your own illustrations of your spouse. But then I got a little bit introverted and I thought about my flaws. I thought I'd share one. It's the only one I could think of. One of my greatest flaws as a married man, (laughs) confession, (laughs) is I have a very, if not any, just no, sense of direction. That's all I could think of. I could never work a compass when I was at school. I never could understand orientation. It drove me crazy. What was north, what was south? I mean, like, okay, where's north? Quick, everybody, where's north? Yeah, but you're looking at everybody else putting their hand that way. I saw you. (laughs) So if north is that way, where's south? Okay, where's west? I think you're wrong. I reckon it's that way. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But uh, the bane of my life is when I'm driving and... uh, I go the wrong way and Viv goes, why are you going this way? It's much better going that way. Um, That happens a lot. (laughs) Like even in Nelson, like even in Stoke. (laughs) No, seriously. I'm not having you on. Um, I can be going from my home to the church, driving from home to the church and end up at the airport. (laughs) I've seriously done that before. I don't know if that's because I have no sense of direction. I think I'm something wrong with my brain at the time. Um, Christchurch, by the way, the city of Christchurch is a nightmare for me. It's a nightmare. For, I cannot tell where I am in Christchurch. Um, I am flawed, but that's probably it. <clears throat> We're not perfect. That's why I'm a Christian. Because I have no sense of direction and the Bible says that if I trust in Him, He'll direct my path. (laughs) Every sacrifice Jesus has made and is making is for the benefit of the church. For the benefit of the church. His love for His church is not fickle. It's not up and down like a yo-yo. It is committed. It is unchanging. He intercedes on our behalf constantly before the Father. Father, there they go again, infighting, bickering, offended, unforgiving, spiteful, jealous. What the heck are we going to do with them? Father says, oh, let's just wipe the mountain and start again. Jesus says, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going through that again. I'm not, going, I'm not going to the cross again. That was a painful time for me, Father. Remember, Father, I did it once for all. Don't have to do it again. So this is what we've got to work with then. Mm. Well, Father, you created them, so you know, it's all your fault at the end of the day. <laughs> okay, okay, I get your point. <laughs> let's, uh, let, let's do something then. Let's unleash some love, like you know, pure love. Jesus says, yeah, great idea. Uh, let's, let's throw out some power. Let's show up. Holy Spirit, lunch break is over. Get back. Get back down there. Let's answer some prayers. Let's throw in some miracles or two. Let's continue to see them as a work in progress. Humans. Crikey, what was I thinking? Says God. He who has begun a good work will be faithful to complete it. Can imagine that kind of conversation going on? eh? I can anyway in my head. That's why I kind of set it out. We are a work in progress. We are flawed. His love for the church is so deep that the scripture implies Uh, that He views us even as His own body. Wow. And this we can identify with because we all have bodies that we care for. We, we, We all care for our own bodies, right? See, no one ever hated their own body, Ephesians chapter one. No one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of His body. Wow. Ephesians chapter one verse twenty-two, and God placed all things under His feet, under Jesus' feet, and appointed Him to be head over what? Over everything. For what? For the church, which is His body, in fullness of Him who who fills everything in every way. In other words, when there is discomfort, we feel the hurt, right, in our own bodies. So does Jesus. When there is sickness. There's sadness with sickness. Jesus is sad when the church is sick. When when, When this body, the church, is sick, the Lord is sad. When the church is going well, when it's healthy and strong, not only are we rejoicing, so is Jesus. It's His body. That's the love He has for you today. And for me, amongst all my flaws, loves, loves me. Love the church. Love what Jesus loves. I'll dispel some myths for you here. You are not a consumer. I know we get into our, some pastors, we get into our worldly kind of approach to life and we go, oh, you're just all consumers. You're just all attenders. Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Look, you are not that. You're not a consumer, you are the church. You are not a pew warmer, you are the church. You're not just an attendee, you're the church. You're not someone who just shows up every now and then, even though you might show up every now and then. But you're not that. Just because you do that, doesn't mean you are that. You are the church. There we go, that just blew out some cobwebs, didn't it? You are the church. And this here is simply an expression of the church for this current generation. It might look different in the future and as it has done in the past, it's different today to what it was in the past, but this is it for now and this is your family, this is your tribe, this is where you're meant to be as a tiny fragment of an expression of the gathering of the church. We are the church with all our warts, with all our pimples and our hairy legs. We are one body within the body of Christ. Savour it, nurture it, love it. Love the church. You have every right to be here. And we count it a privilege to think that one, more than one person would turn up. It's a privilege for us to be together. It's a privilege to be here. It's a privilege to be able to um, just to be together and to be encouraged and to be focused on Jesus and to be glorifying him together, not just in our little wee place at home, but actually coming together. And you have every right to be here because you are it. And if you weren't here, it would be like you were missing. But Brent, I don't feel valued here. I don't feel loved here. I don't feel like I belong here. Boy, have I heard that a lot. There's probably a couple of things I'd like to say and reply to that. Number one, whoever told you it was about you anyway, the church. Uh, Secondly, don't leave because remember, you take you with you. Now, they're harsh kind of answers. I wouldn't answer that to somebody who was uh, you know, kind of, in my face with the whole idea of not being loved. But this is what I wanna say, you are loved, you are valued, you do belong, how do I know? Because the word of God says it. We cannot go by our feelings. If I went by my feelings, I probably would would have left in 1965. Then I would have gone to another church and probably would have got hurt offended. Don't feel valued. Don't feel loved. And yeah, probably got moved on and went to another church. Now I know some things happen and I know that things are hard sometimes to get over and all of that. But I just want to say this, don't leave something because of how you feel. Because the way that you feel is not often tied to the Word of God and what the Word of God says. The reason why I'm still here is because I'm loved by God. I'm valued by God and I belong in God's family. That's why I'm here. Now I can get emails this week of people abusing me because I've just given some bad answers into regards to what people feel like they don't belong and you know whatever they wanna write an email about me to, but it's not gonna make me quit. Why? Because I don't need you to love me. I would like you to love me, but it's not necessarily a need for me because my, because my Saviour, Jesus, loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know. Oh, come on, look, sing in tune, please, at least. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, gosh. Yes, Jesus loves me. Okay, so Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Therefore, I am loved. You see, I'm valued. I belong because I belong to Jesus. So instead of taking love all the time, instead of taking value all the time, nowhere in the Bible does it say you're to take love and to take value. But it does say you gotta give it. You gotta give it. So I'm giving love. I might not even get it back. That's all right, I get it from God. God gives it to me, I give it to you. I love you. I value you. Yeah, we might have had a few harsh words at times. I have an uncanny memory of forgetting. It's not a memory, it's a forgetfulness. (laughs) Of forgetting often. And I think it's, you know, and it's not forgetting where I'm going, but that's a problem as well. But there's another flaw, and that is often forgetting things. I have a very bad memory for things that have happened in the past. And I reckon it's actually God's saving grace on my life. Because if I kept remembering stuff, I have an uncanny ability to let go of burdened or burdens that people have tried to put on me. Now, maybe a gift, I don't know. But I do feel like when we've got it sorted with God, when we know we are loved, we know we are valued, then we can do this. We can do this. We can. And you can too. A thousand times in scripture we're called to give love, to give value, to get love from God and to give love to others. Love God, love people. Help others feel like they belong. Help others feel like they're valued. Help others. We are called to be like Jesus. Let us love what He loves. Let us be committed to the church who Jesus gave His life for. I give my life for you. I've given my life for you. I've given my life for you and for this church. That's what I've done. But that's not a, it's not an issue for me. It's not something that, well, look what I've, you know, you owe me. No. Look what Jesus has done. Look what Jesus is doing. Sacrificed everything for us. Gave his life for us. I, I've always thought you know um, even as a teenager being helping in the leadership of youth and all that sort of thing I, I thought it was cool doesn't seem so cool these days for a lot of people but I thought it was cool and as part of that I thought it was the thing that you did I just thought I thought it was yeah okay I've got to get up early or I've got to go and to youth and help and and uh, be part of the prayer meetings on Friday mornings. We used to have prayer meetings every Friday morning uh, and all of that, we used to do all of that um, as a youth leader. And, you know, I was trying to do school. It was, well, no, it wasn't doing school at all. Not well, anyway. But this, we, you know, it's it just something that we, we love to do and it was, wasn't seen as any kind of sacrifice. It was seen as actually a privilege. It's a privilege to be here this morning. I hope you feel the same way with that. We live in a fallen world and our view of the church is distorted by human failures and sinful behaviours. That's been the last couple of years, to be honest. When we look at the church and what's happening with the church worldwide, we're being being shown the distortion of human failures and sinful behaviours. Mm -hmm. We find it hard to love an imperfect church. But if you could see us just as a work in progress, maybe what God has done the last couple of years has sorted some things out because He's wanting a church that's spotless, that's without blemish. Um, why don't we just see it as a work in progress? (laughs) You're a work in progress. Maybe you should turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you're a work in progress. Go on, do it, just for fun. So so what's happening, what's happening is it it gives you a right to be who you are. You don't have to be someone else. You don't have to be pretending this church stuff. Don't pretend. What's the point of that? Just be who you are, be who you have called to be. Do what God's called you to do. Just get on with it and that's ministry. Be a minister. What, a minister of what? Oh, you want me to preach? No, we're all called to be ministers of reconciliation, reconciling men and women to God, boys and girls, children to God. Be a reconciler to God. Tomorrow, be encouraged today, but tomorrow you are the church. Yes. You are the church tomorrow. You're representing the body of Christ. What are you gonna do? How are you gonna do it? You're gonna be brave? You're gonna be strong? You're gonna be courageous? You're gonna step out a little bit here or a little bit there, You're gonna maybe oh, oh, I might pray for that person. I might talk to that person. I don't know what I'm gonna do tomorrow, but God, I know I'm the church, I'm available. I wanna be the church. I'm here to be encouraged today, but tomorrow I'm still the church. Wow, what an interesting thought. And here's the cool thing, as I finish off. Jesus refers to the church as the bride. Now I talk a lot and introduce a lot my um, my wife Viv as my wife. I don't often introduce her as my bride. But here's an interesting thing with Jesus. He's never called the church anything else but the bride. He's never said, oh, my wife or the old chook. (laughs) (laughs) What's some other names? What? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The old Trout. Nowhere in, the word, nowhere in the Word of God, nowhere in the Word of God does it call the church the old trout. Good point. You are, you, are, you are His bride. You're not just the old wife. You're His bride and you always will be. You know, you imagine pulling out a photo and it's an old photo of when you got married, but you're, you're, you're 60 years of age. But you imagine pulling out a photo of your bride, who now after 30 years of marriage, it's not, it's not a photo of the wedding, it's actually a photo, your bride is the person who, the wife of years. You're showing that around. That's exactly how Jesus sees us. We're we're His bride, we've gone through stuff. We've been through stuff. We've done years together. The church has been around for 2,000 years and we're still called His bride. Wow. Wow. One day the church will be presented to Christ as the bride. Church from all generations, all tribes, all tongues, clothed in white, pure and spotless, presented at the marriage feast of the Lamb. So we've got to look at it, the church that is, from heaven's perspective. So let me tell you this, 2,000 years later, this is still what's gonna happen. The church will still triumph. Might look different, but it's gonna triumph. In spite of human failures, In spite of what's been going on and what's not happening and what is happening, the church will triumph in spite of human failures or the devil's attacks. If Jesus loves the church, then you and I should too. Jesus never has given up on the church. He never gave up and He's never given up on the church. He never has and He never will. He is helping us all along until the church is finally brought back to Himself. You need the church. Yes, you do. Love the church, need the church. Your church community. If it's not this community, there'll be another community. But your church community is where we learn to love God and others, where we are strengthened and transformed by the truth of His Word, where we are taught to pray, taught to worship, taught to serve, where we are investing our time and our abilities for things eternal. Your church community is God's specially designed place for you where we experience God's blessings. Your church community is the vehicle that Jesus chose to take the message of the Gospel to the world The church matters because Jesus chose it to tell and show the world the message of His love. And this message is the world's only hope. God is rescuing the world and He wants you to be a part of it. God has not only saved us, He has invited us to participate in His work of bringing the lost into His kingdom through the church. And we get to take part in this great work so that God can rescue men and women from their sin and transform their lives. In a world that is torn by hatred, by violence, and by war, and by flood, and by famine, the church will stand strong as a beacon of hope and a beacon of love. We have the message of salvation. Where else can the people turn to? This is the mission of the church. It is our duty, it is our calling, it is our privilege, and it is our ministry. Father, I thank You for this morning. I thank You for Your Word. And I pray, Lord God, that we would know what it is to be so filled with love and and encouraged so much to be doing what we're doing even today, even though this, we're we're, we're sitting, you know, the the Holy Spirit, I was reading Acts chapter two, Holy Spirit came upon these these, these, uh, people who were in this waiting room. And it says that they were just sitting just like you are. That's what they were doing. They were sitting in this house, in the room in this house, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. I have no doubt whatsoever that the Holy Spirit can move on your life even as you're sitting in this room. That there is a power that God wants to release on your life. There's an anointing that God wants to release on you, an anointing that releases the gift that He's placed on you. The reason why you're here right now, the reason why we're together right now is that we would know what it is to embrace the expression of gift and talent from each other, the ability to love one another and to love the the uniqueness of each other. Now pray, Father, in this place, God, that under this specific anointing, there will be something that breaks over this church that enables and empowers people to be who you've called them to be. Hey Lord, that you'd release them into their God given destiny and their God given purpose, not for themselves, God, but for the mission that's ahead. I pray for this church and His Brook Church in particular. I pray, Lord God, that this church community would know what it is to be a leading light in this nation that leads other churches, other peoples into the fullness of the purposes of God for this next generation and for this time. I pray, Lord God, I prophesy over this church that there would be not a looking to the left or looking to the right, but a continuing on the pathway, God, that You have for us as we trust in You with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, that we'd acknowledge You in all of our ways. And Lord God, make our path straight, I pray in Jesus' Name. Lord God, may there be a knowing of the body, an understanding of the parts of the body and a fitting together in Jesus' Name. I prophesy, Lord God, life. I prophesy hope. I prophesy the promises and the purposes of God in this place. I prophesy, Lord God, that there would never be a shrinking away. But, Lord God, that there would be an army of people who would know what it is to rise up and take a hold of what, God, what You've taken a hold of us for. I pray, Lord God, that there would be a knowing, Father, that You are with us, that You are faithful to us, that You are here right now wanting to to empower us, wanting to release something of the power of God over us as a people wanting to know what it is to be able to shake hell, to be able to understand what it is to bring heaven to earth in Jesus' Name, to pull people up from underneath us and to bring them up, God, into a place of knowing what it is to be heavenly minded, to be heavenly understood, to be heavenly empowered, to know what it is, Lord God, for miracles to be released in this place in Jesus' Name, that we would see the signs and wonders of God. Oh God, that You would come, Lord Jesus, Come, Lord Jesus, I pray. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at annasbrook.co.nz or visit our website.